We would like to advise that the following program may contain real news, occasional philosophy and ideas that may offend some listeners. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about this app that seemed to come out of nowhere, this obscure shopping app called Timu, which took the American market by storm. By storm because the mother company Pinduoduo spends an enormous amount of advertising pushing this new app. And in the US, it successfully it made its way to the top of the shopping app download list in the App Store. The most exciting shopping app you've never heard of. Exactly. It reminded us of those other moments of apps we've never heard of. Many years ago, it was TikTok, TikTok where we went, yes. what? what? TikTok? And we've mentioned Shane before, the fast fashion app that is taking Europe, but also Australia by storm. So we thought it's worth looking a bit more into innovation or new platform moves coming out of China and moving into markets that have really established businesses. And, and you know, Amazon is a big player, and so is Walmart in the U.S. market. So worth digging a bit deeper and trying to understand where is this coming from? What is it? Uh, what's its future? And to be fair, we've mentioned this a number of times that there are interesting developments in China, live stream shopping, social shopping, concepts that might be alien to us, but might actually be exciting additions to how we do commerce in Western markets. So worth looking at. But we need help. We should talk to someone who's on the ground and knows this stuff. From the University of Sydney Business School, this is Sydney Business Insights, an initiative that explores the future of business. And you're listening to The Future This Week, where Sandra Peter and Kai Rima sit down every week to rethink trends in technology and business. On the 25th of October, there was a prominent article that said that this obscure shopping app is now America's most downloaded app. And we spoke about it on The Future This Week when we mentioned this in a short story. And it was this shopping app called Timu. And we'd never heard about it, had no idea what it does. It seemed to be super successful in a space that we assumed was dominated by Amazon. And then we found out it only had launched about a month before, like at some point in September. And it got to be the most downloaded app in the span of a few weeks. So we thought we'd bring someone in to help us out because we were in this position before with TikTok. We were, and also with Zhu with Little Red Book. And so there's no better person to call than Kishi. Hello. Kishi Pan, who's our person on the ground in China. Welcome back. Hello, here I am, your shopping expert on the ground in China reporting. <laughs> Very good. So what is Timu and what does it do? And how do you pronounce it? Is it Timu? Is it Timu? Is it, how is it? I think I'll respect however you pronounce it because now it's a English. <laughs> it's an English kind of platform, yes. <laughs> Timu's name, I think, came from its slogan, Team Up, Price Down. It's very much similar to its mother company's Pinduoduo's business idea on the ground in China. I think it first appeared on the 1st of September in America and after two weeks, fully launched in September and 16th. And I think apparently it already did its Double Eleven shopping festival in America. Okay, Double Eleven shopping festival. We've spoken about that previously on The Future this week, but maybe just a reminder because... This is a Chinese shopping festival, right? Unlike Black Friday or things that people might be more familiar with. Yes, Double Eleven. It originally started as a 
joke in the university dormitory somewhere in Nanjing in the 90s. Apparently, there were four people in the dormitory and they're mocking themselves as four singles with no girlfriends or boyfriends. So four single person, one, 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 has double 11. That is the date that they locked in, the 11th of November. And that's why it's called the Singles Festival as well, right? Or Singles Day. Singles Day, Singles Festival, Bachelor or Bachelor Race Day. And apparently, as a sad single in the Chinese society, you have to buy yourself some things to comfort the lonely soul. Retail therapy, yay! <laughs> <laughs> There you go. So Singles Day, and they've imported this now to the US? Yes. So apparently, within the first month of its launch in the United States, Timu opened up for Double Eleven Sales Day registration to its merchants in China towards the US market already on the 26th of September. And that registration lasted for months until the end of October. And then Double Eleven Boom went online in the United States from the 1st of November already to the 12th of November. So what kind of things can you buy on Timu? Is this a bit like Amazon? Is this a bit like Shane? What's it like? Because Shane, we've seen this fast fashion app come into many of the Western countries very successfully. But Timu is more than just fashion, right? It's lots of different things. Oh, Timu is way more than fashion and Tim's business model is a little bit different from Shane's. So Shane's, as far as I know, is mainly around women's clothing. They also sell some men's fashion pieces, I believe. But Timu, you can pretty much find anything. If you have to compare the product category, it's kind of like what AliExpress was doing before. So small appliances, clothing, even digital products, anything you can think of, you can pretty much buy on Timu. And it opens up to merchants of all different product categories based in China. So the Zhejiang Provincial Postal Administration Bureau came up with the Express Delivery Overseas project that encourages companies to optimize warehouses for overseas customers. Also encouraged enterprises to open the so-called Warm Up Europe Logistic Express line to provide multiple different modes of transportation logistical solutions covering sea, land and air, effectively improving the logistic time during the peak season of ordering, which is November. So that made in China packages can travel as fast as it can across the ocean to its customers all around the world. You actually wouldn't believe what's the most popular items from China being sold to Europe this double eleven. Can you take a guess? Uh, go on. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I have a suspicion about the uh, temperature. Yeah, I have relatives in Europe and heating appliances are all the rage with the gas in energy crisis. So I suspect like, you know, blankets and, and stuff like that. Oh, you are way underestimating the Chinese manufacturers and the merchants. We have a very formal term for it. It's called the Chinese Winter Kit of Eight. You heard it right. It's eight different pieces of items to keep you warm. Eight, eight things to get you through winter? <laughs> yes. So let me go through What is that beanie um, scarf? The... <laughs> Two gloves and stuff? <laughs> Surprisingly, scarf is not among the list. 
So what is the list? The first item is my childhood favorite. It's called a hot water pocket. Basically, it's a rubber pocket. You fill it up with really hot water and you stick it into your blanket and keep yourself warm before bed. And then there's item number two, of course, the irreplaceable turtleneck sweater. <laughs> okay. Item number three, it's a portable electric heat pack, just in case you don't have a hot water kettle with you all the time. So you have a chargeable electric heat pack. And then the fourth item I have on my desk right now, it's a heating fan. A heating fan? Yes, it's a small fan the size of probably double your iPhone. And you plug it in, it blows out hot air. All right. <laughs> Megan points at me blowing hot air. <laughs> I'm lost track. That's item number five. <laughs> item number six? Number six, flannel hoodie. Number seven, electric blanket that heats up your bed. And then the last item is thermal underwear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I did wear it when I went to Antarctica, but you need it for the European winter, apparently. And it sells really well. So care packages for the Europeans for the upcoming winter season sold on Timu for very low yeah. prices, I guess. For very low prices. And interestingly, usually in the past years, this is not the first time the Chinese winter kit of eight has been so popular. It's been following the trend for quite a while. But in previous years, the end of September usually marks the end of European orders for the winter. But this year, because of the outbreak of conflict, Russia and Ukraine, the European customers, they waited for a bit to place orders. And then the order number actually increased a lot comparing to previous years. Some shop owners said they are seeing 15 to 20% of volume increase comparing to the same period last year. We must remind people, this is not just like winter kits. You can buy all sorts of things. Uh, we've heard there's like Lenovo wireless earbuds for like $3.50 or something. And, you know, eyebrow pencils for 50 cents and so on. So all sorts of items. Unbelievably cheap, like sneakers for 5 $6. That to me just sounds like normal price. I feel a little bit offended <laughs> right now. I actually just bought eyebrow pencils before we started this conversation. And I'm sorry, but it's not 50 cents. It's about around a dollar. But still, I'm slightly offended, Sandra. I feel you overpaid for your eyebrow pencil. <laughs> I should refund it. <laughs> You're sending it back as we speak. So where does Timu come from? And what's the move for them to go into a market like the US? We normally think of companies in China going to places in Southeast Asia or places where the market or the consumers might be more familiar, but are they following the success of companies like TikTok or like Shane? Because AliExpress has previously tried and they weren't all that successful in the US because e-commerce in the US is a fairly mature market. Amazon owns much of the market. There's also Walmart and a few others. So what's the strategy for Timu to break into a market like that or really other Western countries as well? I think Timu is sort of learning from how its mother company, Pinduoduo, initially succeeded in China. So the name came from its slogan, Team Up price down, which is the same business logic that Pinduoduo started with in China. And as you mentioned earlier, that AliExpress wasn't 
all that successful in the United States or even in Australia. I personally bought quite a few items from AliExpress and by the time the items actually arrived in Australia, I already forgot about the order because it took one or two months sometimes. I think Timu's decision of venturing into the American market was after thorough consideration. Most of the Chinese e-commerce companies, the first destination that they think of is often Southeast Asia. It's a market they're more familiar with, it's closer to home. But the CEO of Timu saw the opportunity in America. Yes, they understand the competition is fierce. You have Shane and you have Amazon, but also people have more spending power and higher disposable income. Therefore, they saw room for their development in America. And they're actually using quite different strategies comparing to Shane or Amazon. So Sandra and Kai, you both have just mentioned that you can find really cost-efficient products on Timu. Cheap. Cheap is the word. <laughs> Cheap. Very low prices, Timu. yes. Trying to be diplomatic here, very low price. So the target group is actually quite different from at least Amazon. So Amazon is targeting middle class and even the price on Shane, let alone Shane mainly sells women's clothing and some men's fashion pieces. So the product category is not in direct competition with what Timu has to offer. And also the experience, right? Yeah. So I read somewhere and I've only briefly played around with the TeamU app, but I read that on Amazon, most purchases are very deliberate, directed purchases. Someone wants to buy something, they look for the best product in a category, they go and they buy. Whereas TeamU has a more you know, spontaneous browsing experience, impulse buying because everything is so cheap. And then in China, also what we call social commerce. So maybe tell us a little bit about that because it seems very different to Western approaches to e-commerce. So I think it was two years ago almost when we talked about Xiaohongshu as a representative of social commerce in China. But in fact, most of the transactions, the actual purchasing behavior was not actually closed on Xiaohongshu. And still is the case. Some people go on Xiaohongshu, they browse different user experience or consumer experience. They decide what they want to buy. And then they went on Taobao or Timo to place their order. So the social happens first and then the, the commerce side happens after. Um, and Pinduoduo's um, business model is slightly different. It's also social commerce, but it actually takes the social outside of the platform and in the commerce within the platform. So this April and May was when I used Pinduoduo the most. I was trying to get some vegetables. So I browsed on Pinduoduo and it's selling at much cheaper price than what I can otherwise get on the market. But in order to secure this price, I have to um, pay a deposit and then share my buying activity to our very familiar social media platform, WeChat, to invite my friends and people on my WeChat to join me on this order. And then once we have a group of 30 or 50 or sometimes 10, the order is successfully placed and then the merchant will ship it within the next day. This is mind-boggling because it's two big platforms. So let's remind people a bit what... WeChat is, because quite often people assume WeChat is simply a 
you know, the Chinese equivalent of something like WhatsApp, but it's so much more and everyone's on it. Yes. So WeChat started off as a newer generation of QQ, which is the, one of the oldest form of simply a chat app. And then WeChat later expanded its functions into payments. And then from payment, they discover, wait, we can use this platform to help you to pay your bus ticket, order a car, or pay your medical insurance, and even register for your health code as it follows. You can pretty much live on WeChat to fulfill any of your day-to-day -day needs in China. It's not just a chat app. It's a social survival kit. So what I'm hearing you say is then Pinduoduo, so Timu's mother company in China, mother company is leveraging the power of WeChat and the connectedness that WeChat provides to augment membership on its platform. Yes. So basically, Pinduoduo is able to provide competitive pricing by what we call collective ordering. So instead of you place single orders on Taobao, Pinduoduo gives you cheaper price if you buy it together with other people. So this is when the social bit comes in. And Tencent or WeChat seems to be extremely generous and welcoming for Pinduoduo's customers to share their ongoing orders on WeChat to invite their friends to join the order. Whereas WeChat or Tencent in direct competition with Alibaba, might not be as generous towards Taobao orders to the same logic. So in China, this obviously works because this all lives inside WeChat, for example, right? As the super app where conversations can happen, where you can congregate and form, you know, buying teams and then things can be executed on Pinduoduo. But how is this going to work in the US, for example? At the moment, it seems that Timu is mainly a channel for Chinese sellers to reach customers directly at very low prices. That seems a value proposition. But can you see any moves towards introducing this social aspect in the US or in other markets outside of China? So I have to be clear, at present, Timu has not yet started the group buy function in America. It's only entered the market for less than or almost two months Most of the e-commerce platforms that we can see in China operate in two separate modes. Either it's self-operating or either it's just purely a platform. Timu is, however, somewhat in the middle, but more towards self-operating mode. So the merchants on Timu are only responsible for supplying the goods. And the platform is responsible for pricing the products, mm -hmm. like a consignment store. And then for the sales, for customer care and contract fulfillment. Earlier, we talked about Timu started officially in America on the 16th of September. And 10 days later, it already opened for merchants to register for double 11 sales, merchants in China, that is. So it took a month to collect this registration. What follows is that once the merchants have successfully registered, they send their products to the main domestic warehouse of Timu in China. Already way long before the WLM officially starts. And then Timu organize and consolidate this product and then ship it to the customers in America. And I think most of the orders were actually delivered within a week. One of the quickest was the next day or something. Which is amazing considering how far some of these goods have to travel and also the fact that many of them are fairly cheap things get shipped. 
So what Timu tries to do then, in my view, is to combine the large variety of products that Chinese sellers have to offer with the lowest prices that they can offer, and then a very sophisticated logistics and fulfillment function, which is the thing that AliExpress didn't have previously when they leave the fulfillment to the individual sellers. I think Timu's success has to do with the somewhat predictable shopping festivals. If you're looking at Double Eleven, following that is the World Cup, another reason for shopping, and of course the Black Friday after that. So Timu chose to enter the market at mid-September, seeing there will be very much likely a surge for demand in its destination market. It already started preparing to ask all its merchants, hey, send your products to my warehouse a month before the shopping festival actually starts. So I can already start shipping it to America and it's only a matter of days for the product to be dispatched and then delivered to the customer because it's already on the way to the customer in a way, before the order was even placed. And this is what AliExpress missed in the beginning. So the marketing at the moment is low prices and those events. There is a suspicion, though, that the very cheap prices that Timu has right now and all the fantastic offers like free shipping or no minimum purchase and, you know, widespread like 30% discounts and stuff, there is a suspicion that um, this is kind of artificially held up by Pinduoduo you know, pumping a lot of money to get as much market share and to make it initially attractive because it's such a big company and it can afford to do this? I think the suspicion is definitely valid because that's what Pinduoduo did in the beginning, sort of snuck into the market when Alibaba and Tencent were fighting very fiercely and no one was taking care of the lower end of the market and Pinduoduo came in with very cheap price targeting those customers who are price sensitive but not paying that much attention to the actual details or the extreme quality requirements for products. And Timu actually promised to provide compensation to customers if delivery is delayed. And for most of the normal circumstances, around 80% of the orders should reach its buyers within 10 days. Keep in mind, you're actually placing your order from China in this case to America. In this climate, right, where all the supply chains are strained, where production is strained, delivery and so on, this is no mean feat. The question is, what's next? Where is this going? Timu's initial strategy, its current strategy is to gain momentum and accumulate users and then secure its brand image in America. But it's expected that the platform will have to adjust its business model in the long run to improve profitability after the traffic accumulation. For example, reasonably increasing the unit price per order or per customer or increasing the minimum spend to get free shipping, for example. I think it's already done. And in the longer term, the platform should go down the more profitable direction for development. The same thing with Pinduoduo's business model in China. Initially, it came in selling only small appliances, targeting customers who are not really quality sensitive, but more price sensitive. And now it's forking out and doling out money to subsidize its customers to buy iPhone. And then apparently once you move to that platform, you're more likely to change your shopping behavior of only buying high-end product on Taobao or Timo. Pinduoduo might be your new destination. And 
in the future, Timu might also succeed in changing some of our shopping behaviors. TikTok has been successful in shifting how people use social media and getting us used to a social media behavior that didn't exist before. Timu is a type of social shopping that we might not be used to. 11-11 is a shopping holiday we didn't used to have. <laughs> so Chinese consumers used to go after overseas products. The trend of overseas shopping first started on Shahongshu. Now we're seeing the reverse overseas shopping where customers are using platforms like Timu from America to purchase products from China. So reverse overseas shopping is something interesting to watch for this double eleven and ones up and coming. So we'll watch with interest where Timu and the other entries from China into Western markets are going and what success social shopping might have. But, you know, maybe this is a chance here for Elon Musk, the way in which Pinduoduo uses established social platforms in China. Maybe there's a niche for Twitter to bundle up with some new entrants to the e-commerce market to find that all-coveted new income source that he is so much after. Keishi, thank you so much for sharing your insights. So interesting. Hope to have you back to see how Timu is doing once, you know, it's established itself on the American market. I hear it's going into Canada and Spain. And I'm going to check the app store here frequently to see if we have it in Australia soon. But that's all we have time for today. Thank you. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Kai. Happy to see the shopper in you, Kai. And thank you, Megan. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to The Future This Week from the University of Sydney Business School. Sandra Peter is the Director of Sydney Business Insights and Kai Rima is Professor of Information Technology and Organisation. Connect with us on LinkedIn, Twitter and WeChat and follow, like or leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any weird or wonderful topics for us to discuss, send them to sbi at sydney.edu.au. I actually, um, this reminded us, this, this, sorry, this reminded, this reminded me, <laughs> yeah. sorry, Megan, it, it's, it, it's my other selves talking. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ladies. <laughs>